0: Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID 19 crisis and beyond. Hi, everybody, I'm Michael Kreese. Heart disease remains the number one killer in the United States with nearly 1 million people experiencing a cardiac event each year. And even though studies show rehabilitation after cardiac events improves outcomes and can even reverse the progression of cardiovascular disease, only about 20% of eligible patients engage in it. Well, today's guest is doing something to improve that number by using technology to make cardiac rehab more accessible and effective. Dr. Harsh Vatsangam is co-founder and CEO of Moving Analytics, creator of MoveIn, M-O-V-N a virtual cardiac rehabilitation solution used by several leading health plans and thousands of patients nationwide. He earned a master's and PhD in computer science from the University of Southern California and holds an undergraduate degree from the Indian Institute of Technology. Thanks so much for being with us today.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah, I am too. So we like to start first with learning more about our guests. So what first got you interested in computers and tech? And eventually, how did you find yourself in the healthcare space?
1: That's a great question. So from my background, generally, I'm just a tinkerer by nature left to my own devices, I'll start opening up remotes and breaking apart bicycles. <laughs> One of my earliest memories is actually cleaning my bicycle with my granddad and uh, really enjoying that experience of taking it apart and putting it back together. Uh, and you know, also we used to have VCRs in those days, we used to take apart VCRs and clean those two. So all of those, I think is just I really enjoy spending time with technology. And it also ties into my other passion, which is I really want to use technology to help people. I think that technology has a tremendous potential to scalably help a large volume of people with relatively less effort compared to human effort that will be put in. Uh, and I just felt that it would be a good life mission to take my expertise in technology and combine it with the ability to help people. And there's no better industry where people would benefit than, you know, saving lives and improving the health of, millions of people across the world. And uh, that's what drove me to healthcare at that point.
0: And tell us about how moving analytics got started. Was there a point at which you decided, okay, this is the problem I want to solve, heart disease, or how did that start?
1: Yeah. So with moving analytics, when. I was finishing up my PhD in computer science. While I was a really good researcher, I didn't wanna spend my life in academia. Publishing papers and writing grants was not my cup of tea. Um, I wanted to put out products that could very quickly and tangibly impact patients' lives. And if not for moving analytics, I'd probably have joined like a Skunkworks type lab where we would have had a very similar setting. Um, what drew me to startups in particular was the ability to combine impact with high-tech integration and the ability to very quickly grow the impact that you can have. Um, And that visceral connection between what you do today gets shipped out tomorrow and then it helps people immediately thereafter. Um, Moving analytics is an idea started because originally I had, as part of my research, built technology that could monitor physiological signals of the human body. Uh, such as caloric expenditure and blood pressure and so on. The way I like to think of it is we were a hammer looking for a nail. Uh, you know, we had these need algorithms, but we don't know where to apply them. And what we learned was through a chance meeting with the American Heart Association, they said heart disease is number one cause of death, number one source of direct and indirect costs, and rehab is a proven way to improve it. And that was the first time we heard about rehab all of seven or eight years ago. And we spent another two or three years really trying to understand what rehab is, being technologists and not being familiar with the healthcare industry. Um, and it was one of those cases where the more we dug deeper, the more we understood what an amazing problem it was in terms of the impact it could have, but yet how underutilized it is. And that's what led us on the path to moving analytics and moving.
0: Yeah. And cardiac rehab is also interesting because it's such a vulnerable point in people's lives. Right They've just come through this tremendous scare, and the rehab gym and that team can really become incredibly important to their recovery psychologically as well as just from the work that they're doing that can improve their health. So there's that emotional overlay to it as well, I think
1: you hit the nail on the head. when you have a heart attack or heart surgery, it's you literally had your chest opened, right? You were maybe ten seconds away from you know, being alive or not being alive. And that is a huge check on people's psychology because they're like, oh my God, I was this close. And what does it mean for me? At the same time, you also are likely confused uh, because now you don't know what's right, what's not right, what's inappropriate. Can you exercise? Can you eat certain foods? And you may also be depressed because you may come to terms with your own mortality in some ways, right? And I think what a lot of patients experience then uh, is something that rehab can really tackle, which is it really connects you with that healthcare professional who acts as that navigator in your journey uh, after you have an acute heart-related event and gives you that medical resource who can help you discern as to what's good and what's not good. And also more importantly, progress you and show you that hey, you know what, it's not only that you recover, you can be even better than you were before the heart attack and showing you that ray of light that you can go towards
0: as well. It's very powerful. So tell us how it works. How does the technology work in this setting with this patient population?
1: So cardiac rehab is a clinical behavior change program where a patient, once they qualify, is connected with a professional who's usually a registered nurse or exercise physiologist. The way rehab worked before moving analytics was you would have to go to an outpatient facility, assuming there was space available and after a two month wait list. And once you get in there, you would be connected with that profession. They would create a customized treatment plan for you. And then you would have to come in three times a week for 12 weeks to get that treatment plan. And that is a problem for a lot of people because most people can't drive that often. They have to choose between taking time off from work and attending rehab. Oftentimes, there are cultural issues because we know that women and minorities don't attend these sessions as much because they don't relate to the environment that they're in. And what's happening as a result of that is 90 percent of patients don't participate in these programs. So the way moving analytics solves that through a better patient experience is if you qualify for the program, you don't travel anywhere, uh, we ship a kit to you, which is everything that you need to get rehab. And we have a tech support team that gets you to download an app. And inside that app is a connection to your coach. And this coach uses the kit and the data coming in from the kit and an interview with you to create a customized program that you can do from the comfort of your home. And as you use the devices in the kit, which include blood pressure cuff, weight scale, exercise tracker, the coach is tracking you and continuously coaching you through a combination of telehealth visits and text-based coaching. Um, Why is that more powerful? So one, it's more convenient. Two, it's behavior change in the context of your everyday life. So you're not cognitively dissociating yourself when you enter a rehab facility, you're making that behavior change in the context of your day-to-day chores and activities. And so that's where that experience really scores. And we are seeing more and more evidence through our platform that we produce better results than facility-based rehab because of the experience that we have.
0: So if you're talking about people doing rehabilitation at home, it brings to mind the question of the have-have-nots in terms of exercise equipment. Do you need to have anything along those lines to participate or how does all that work?
1: Yeah, 80% of all exercises that our patients do are walking-based. So I live in sunny Southern California, so you can walk all throughout the year. Uh, but you know, right now, if you're in Minnesota in the middle of winter, uh, what you can do is walk inside a mall, or you could walk in other indoor locations. Uh, if even that's not possible, we also give you a peddler that you can do, or we would use chair or uh, table-based exercises as well. Um, again, the emphasis is around meeting you where you want to be met as a patient and working with what you have. And that sometimes includes economic considerations as well, like not everybody can afford gym membership or buy an expensive weight rack for their services. In that case, we would just make it work with a chair and two bottles of water. That would work as well.
0: So what are you seeing? What kind of results have come across?
1: The results with our program have been really astounding. When we worked with multiple health plans and providers to validate our solution, We've seen rehab participation rates go from that 10, 15% number to 60 or 70%. And the completion rates have gone from 50% to 80%. So more people join these programs and more of them complete it. And we are also seeing that the patients who do our program, the readmission numbers, that is, the number of patients who get readmitted after six months from their first heart attack, is 50% lower than the people who did no rehab or facility-based rehab. Wow. Um, so not only are we reaching more patients, but the patients when we do serve, they stick to it and they have a much lower readmission rate. And I think that also is linked to the sustainability of the behaviors that they generate.
0: So this does, you think, transform their behavior in ways that impacts other parts of their life? Is that what you're saying?
1: 100%, I think. So the way we think of rehab, as I mentioned, is it's a lifestyle change you're making. And that lifestyle change includes exercise, nutrition, you're managing your stress, managing your blood pressure, your uh, if you're a smoker, quitting smoking, and all of these are interdependent on each other. So kind of case in point, if you want to reduce stress, you not only meditate, but you exercise. Sometimes when you start eating healthier, you feel healthier, and you can exercise more. If you quit smoking, then your lungs are a little healthier. That means you're now able to go out more and you feel better as a result of that too. The important thing is we take into account that holistic nature and the holistic intervention, the whole individual, to put it simply. And that's where the results are
0: showing. And so where's your growth come from? Are you working first through the insurance companies or how are you getting people to become aware of this and sign up for it? To make it work, we have to make ourselves a part of the ecosystem, right? And that means... Uh, making sure
1: that our service is covered as a benefit from health plans, making sure that this is particularly I think for this audience would be relevant is uh, making sure that doctors and nurses refer their patients because it is considered a gold standard or class one indication. And as part of the doctor referral, we educate several providers across the country in cath labs and, you know, cardiology offices and so on. Um, and work with them to say that, hey, at the end of the day, we're trying to do what's best for the patient, and we know that we have all these benefits. And by the way, it's also covered by their plans. In many cases, we negotiate a $0 copay, so it's free for patients. And so we try to bring the entire community at play to bring this change in terms of improving outcomes of their community members.
0: So given the greater comfort level people now have with virtual healthcare and telemedicine because of covid Are you looking beyond cardiac rehab for other applications for your technology?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. What we've seen is that patients in our program, 25% of them are no longer hypertensive when they were hypertensive, and 70% of them are no longer depressed if they were depressed at the beginning of the program. Now, you would have to think, where else are these kinds of results applicable? And our vision is that we want to build a service and a product that empowers every individual to live a life free of cardiovascular disease. And that means anywhere where you need to enforce or bring about prevention by improving a patient's health and specifically focusing on behaviors that can improve a patient's health, we would like to be that solution that solves that problem. Um, And so I can really see us extending this model to high-risk patients or patients who are about to get a heart attack because they have multiple heart-related issues. Or patients post-cancer recovery, where often after chemotherapy, for example, your cardiovascular system takes a huge hit. And so you need to bring it back up through rehab to improve it. For patients with congestive heart failure to strengthen their cardiovascular system so they can manage their heart failure a lot more. For patients with vascular disease as well. So to me, it's a huge universe that we can extend this paradigm to. And which is why I'm really excited about just the potential of where we can go.
0: So it seems like you've gained some significant traction here. Are you surprised or not surprised by the pace of adoption? And you know, can you just reflect generally about what this experience has been like trying to introduce something new to the uh, healthcare system?
1: It's been a hard and tough journey, in my opinion, uh, to be honest, because in healthcare, the barriers to getting any technology adopted are much higher And they should be because you're dealing with patient lives and safety and so on. But really working within the U.S. healthcare system, which is by all accounts a very Byzantine system uh, in terms of getting payer coverage, getting providers to refer. I think it's taken us a good three, four years to really establish the roots of our system before the tree can shoot up. Uh, And now we're starting to see that tree actually starting to shoot up at this point. So uh, that's an advice I would give anyone who's looking to work in healthcare, which is be very patient, but also be ready for a lot of hard work before uh, you start seeing the results. But it'll be worth it in the end because end of the day, when you see the patients tell their stories and their outcomes, it makes it very, very
0: satisfying. So talk to me about COVID a little bit. How did that impact your business?
1: COVID was a watershed moment in our company's journey. What happened was that because of COVID, a lot of uh, on-site rehab facilities shut down. And that was because of safety reasons, social distancing reasons, and so on. And for a while, we were the only rehab game in town in some of the hospitals that we were working with. And what that means is that as hospitals tested our solution more, they were almost forced to test our solution more. And they received a lot of validation that Hey, you know what this telehealth thing is not so scary after all it's something that could actually benefit patients and so when we worked with them, that was something that was great to change the perception of how providers view telehealth based approaches Um, and that has kept going at this point. No one's shy of telehealth, anymore. it's not a dirty word, you don't speak, uh, and it's accepted as a modality of delivery. I don't think it's the only modality, but I think it's opened up the possibility that this is now an existing modality, that it's a legitimate modality going
0: forward. Yeah, well, as you know, it was an absolute revolution the way telehealth was adopted in a matter of weeks when essentially a lot of that technology had been around for 30 years, 40 years.
1: Yes. and. I think it also accelerated the technological aspects of delivering telehealth too. So the vendors who deliver telehealth were forced to hold themselves to a higher bar because now so many healthcare professionals were using telehealth-based approaches. And so I think overall, the field definitely
0: moved forward. So we're a teaching company and love to fill knowledge gaps. We love asking our guests if there's any topic that could be directly connected to your business or not, but something that you wish people understood that they don't, a myth, a gap, that you would say, hey, Osmosis, you know, you ought to make a video about this topic. What would that be?
1: For me, from my own experience, I think what a lot of clinicians could learn, um, and this is a little true for me too, is the business of healthcare. Um, how economic decisions are made at the clinical level and the hospital level, if you work in a hospital The reason being not that we're trying to save costs. Ultimately, healthcare, it's a mission-oriented industry. It's about helping patients. But by knowing how the system works from a cost and economic perspective, I think you would really be able to take advantage of pitching your innovation and by aligning it against those incentives, right? Um, And uh, so something around like, hey, how are claims submitted? And as claims are submitted, what's the expected billing rate looking like? Oftentimes I see clinicians saying, oh, you know what, that's not my job. Like I've got a biller who will handle this and so on. But I think it really pays off to learn that even if it's a couple of hours a week, because it makes you a better clinician, because it allows you to work within the system to get what you want.
0: That's great advice and sort of flows into the final question, because we have a younger audience in terms of the student audience, but also people early on in their healthcare careers. We like to ask our guests to provide just advice generally about meeting the challenges of this moment with COVID, but also how to approach their career. And here you are somebody who has been able to start and grow a company in a very complicated business as you were mentioning. So what would your advice be?
1: I think the single biggest thing we've learned is that ultimately, the reason why we are successful or have an impact as a clinic or healthcare services company is because of the relationship between the provider and the patient, which is ultimately a human relationship. It's about establishing that emotional connection between yourself and the patient and vice versa. Uh, I think that uh, so-called golden rule applies, which is treat others as you would like to be treated. And I think there's a huge, value for someone if in addition to the medical knowledge they combined it with empathy and really establishing that emotional bond with their patients. I think patients will really appreciate it. And every patient's life is different. You don't know what they're going through. If they're angry, maybe they're just angry because they have a lot of pain and that's manifesting itself as anger. So that's where I think like the power of empathy could really go a long way, both for the patient and for providers uh, really Uh, getting the outcomes that they want. That's I think the one thing that we've learned and I always try to emphasize as a lesson for anyone who wants to get into healthcare. That's great advice.
0: You know, I'm sitting here wondering if, when you were talking about as a child, liking to take things apart, the bike, the VCR, figure out what's inside, how it's working. Do you feel like you've done that with the healthcare system in a way?
1: Oh, I'm still putting it back together. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure yet where all the pieces go, but uh, I think metaphorically speaking, yes, I think that's sort of what we've been doing in, in our company. And I said it in jest, but I think what we're trying to do is putting it back together the way we want to put back together in a way that is improving life, saving costs and saving physicians time and effort. To me, I think that's what healthcare innovation is
0: Yeah, and I know everybody listening is wishing you best of luck with that because we need a lot of folks like you in the system improving it. I'm afraid to say we're out of time, but I want to thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this presentation.
0: I'm Michael Caris, Thanks for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part, flatten the curve, and raise a line. We're all in this together.